Good morning. I greet you all this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we come for worship on this beautiful Sunday morning. Just a couple of announcements to draw your attention to. Um, our annual meeting is next Sunday. There will be a light lunch following service, so if you could bring a plate, a trade of, plate, a plate of sandwiches or sweets, uh, that would be great. We are looking to fill a couple of, couple of positions on our church council. Uh, we need a council chair. We need one or two on the trustees committee. We need two members at large, and we need uh, a regional representative. We're entitled to two. Uh, we currently have one. There are annual, uh, the annual report is available on our website. It went out in the email last week, but if you need a printed copy, there are a few at the back, not as many as I'd hoped because I ran out of toner when I was trying to print them yesterday. So, um, but I'll have more with me next week if we run out this week. So there are printed copies at the back or you can get it online. Uh, our next church council is scheduled for the 21st, and we will meet if we have business to discuss. If not, we will postpone, but the worship committee will meet on uh, that day at, the, at 6 o'clock. Bible study will not be held this week uh, on Tuesday morning. It will be back again a week from Tuesday. And our prayer meetings continue tonight at 7 o'clock, and everyone is welcome as we come and pray together for uh, our church and our community. And we do it in partnership with other churches who have been coming to join us. On a sadder note, um, Loretta Colburn passed away yesterday morning. And uh, our prayers are with uh, all her family, but especially her family uh, away. And we're traveling home and with everyone here who loved Loretta so much. Uh, arrangements are being made with Job's funeral home, there will be a visitation on Friday from 1 until 3, and at 3 o'clock there will be a brief memorial, memorial service for Loretta at the funeral home. So Monday, or Friday, 1 until 3, with a memorial service at 3. Any other announcements to share today? Just take a moment then to quiet our hearts as we prepare to worship our God. As we continue through this season of Lent, it is a time of reflection. It is a time of walking with Jesus to the cross of our salvation. And as we walk with Jesus, we recognize that the light of the world who came in him is starting to diminish as we walk to the cross with him. And so let us reflect on the power of the cross in our lives this day as we worship the one who gave his life for our own. Let us join together in our opening prayer. Lord, as we walk with Jesus in the season of Lent, with him to his death on the cross, we walk in humility. We walk reflecting on what his death means to us. Help us, O oh God, to see the power of his sacrifice in our lives as we learn of your great love for us. Be with us in our worship today as we learn of your love shown through Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior. Amen. 
Our responsive psalm today is Psalm 45. My heart overflows with a noble theme. I utter the song I have made for the king. My tongue like a pen of a scribe, of a ready scribe. You are the fairest, most handsome. God loves your speech with grace. God has blessed you forever. God has blessed you forever and ever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O hero. In splendor and majesty. In your majesty ride on to honor in the cause of truth and justice. Let your right hand teach by awesome deeds, arrows sharp in the heart of royal enemies. The nations shall fall at your feet, your divine throne endures forever. Your royal scepter is righteousness, you love right and hate what is wrong. Your God has anointed you. All your garments are fragrant with myrrh, aloes, and cassia. And without you, I honor your houses, streaming music makes you God has blessed you forever and ever. Opening hymn this morning is Jesus Christ is Waiting. Thank you. 
as we continue to walk with Jesus, as we continue to reflect on the power of the cross in our lives, we take, also take time to ask God to cleanse us, forgive us, and heal us. And part of that cleansing, healing, and forgiving nature of God is for us to bring before God the struggles in our lives, and in particularly the sins that we carry. So let us bring before God our, our sins this day. Let's join together in a prayer of confession. Father, often I find myself struggling to follow in your way. It is the sin in my life which keeps me from your path. Lord, I invite you today to heal me of my sin and lead me in your way. When we humble ourselves and lay before God all that we carry, God picks us up. He puts us back together. He heals us and makes us whole. That is what Jesus has come to show us and to give us as the gift of our salvation. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us. The scripture this morning is Matthew 22, verses 1 to 14. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have, prepared, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle had been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. 
But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many were invited, but few are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, you are who you who are our Savior and our God. We thank you. As we come to you in worship today, as we come to hear your word for us, Lord, may we hear what you have to say. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. 
Weddings are interesting. I admit, as one who performs weddings, I sometimes have a bit of a love-hate relationship with them. It feels like some of the time, not all of the time, but some of the time, the wedding ceremony itself is just kind of a, a prelude to the real event that comes later with the reception and the party. A few couples, not very many, have asked that we even be quick with the ceremony because there's stuff that needs to happen before the actual real party begins, pictures and whatnot. There have been weddings where I felt like not much more than a simple prop, there to fulfill a role, a role that has been uh, grudgingly added that has to happen before the real event happens later in the day. Now, don't get me wrong, I've had a good number of wonderful weddings. Most of them have been wonderful weddings. And the couples that have taken seriously the importance of the ceremony, which, when you ask for me, is always going to include God, those are the couples that I remember the most. The less engaged couples, the ones that want to focus more on the party, those are the ones I may tend to brush off more as a kind of learning experience. And I can usually tell right away which couples are going to be the more serious ones. Because they are the ones that are willing to engage in discussion as we gather together to talk about marriage and, and wedding prep type things. I rarely ever attend the receptions of weddings that I perform. I'm almost always invited, but I usually don't go because in most cases I don't know the couple all that well. Nor do I know their families maybe. So I don't necessarily see the point in going, especially since most weddings happen on Saturday nights and I need to be here kind of early on Sunday mornings. So I go home and relax. But when the reception, the reception itself is an interesting event though. It's great to see family come together and celebrate, to dance, to eat, to connect. And it's at the receptions you almost always hear someone say, more than once, we need to do this more often. We need to come together more often. And actually, I'll hear that. We need to come together more often. I'll even hear that at funerals as family gathers together. And I believe they mean it. They really do. I truly believe families want to spend more time together. But it just doesn't happen. Just like people tell me, I need to come to church. And they don't come to church either. I think of my own family. Growing up, I spent a lot of time with my cousins through the summers at cottages and various long weekends throughout the year. But now I never see them. I rarely ever talk to them. I love them. I might even miss them. Or at least I miss the memory of them. But we all grew up. We all have our own lives to live now. Things change. People change. We grow up and we move on. But still, when you come together at something like a wedding reception, all those old stories start coming back up, right? From when you were younger. The ones that make you laugh. And remember the good times you had together back in the old days, a hundred years ago. Those are the kinds of stories that we carry with us. Stories that make us who we are today. Many of these stories, they're, they're close to our hearts. That's why we hold on to them, even if we don't necessarily talk to the people who helped create those memories all that often. Stories are a big part of who we are. 
And in terms of our faith, the stories we carry from our lives of faith, from the Bible, from our experiences of God, those stories also make us who we are. And as we see in our readings throughout Lent, as we focus on the parables that Jesus tells, Jesus uses stories in a powerful way. And he uses the stories to teach us about himself, and he also uses them to teach us about the kingdom of God. We get that little glimpse into what the kingdom of God must truly be like. About how we can inherit, can inherit this kingdom when we accept the invitation and join his family as one of his followers. So Jesus does know the power of stories. When we turn to the story he tells in Matthew 22, it might make us feel a little bit uneasy. It's not exactly the kind of story we might accept, expect Jesus to tell us. Especially when he opens it up by saying, the kingdom of God is like, or the kingdom of heaven is like. And at first, the story sounds like it's going to be pretty exciting. The king is going to throw a wedding banquet for his son. So the king sends out invitations, but no one will come. It's kind of odd when you think about it. I mean, this is a party thrown by the king for his heir, his son, who will be the next king. This is going to be the biggest, most extravagant party you can imagine. No pennies will be pinched. No, no corners will be cut. Only the best will do. This is the cannot-be-missed party of the year. And no one will come. In fact, Jesus even says they will refuse to come. The king instructs his servants to tell them just how great this party is going to be, how glamorous it is, that only the best of the best will be served. But the people actually turn away. They walk away from the invitation. They want nothing to do with it. In fact, even some of the servants were captured, beaten and killed. So the king becomes enraged and he sends out his army to burn down the cities of those who refuse to come. And so finally the king says, okay, whatever. Go out into the streets, bring in everyone and anyone you can. Which is what the servants do. They bring in the good, the bad, and the ugly. Everyone on the streets who could come is coming. And when the party starts, the wedding hall is full and everyone is having a, a wonderful time. But then the king arrives and he sees one man dressed in his street clothes. And the king goes up and says, where's your wedding clothes? Where's your suit? Where's your tie? And the man cannot answer. So the king has him tied up and thrown out into the darkness. And finally, Jesus ends our reading by saying, for many are invited, but few are chosen. Now, I haven't been involved with the planning or involved in with a lot of wedding receptions, as I've said, but I'm assuming this is a bit out of the ordinary. This is not the norm, am I right? I've not known of any wedding receptions, wedding parties where, where everyone flat out refuses to come to the point where they will kill the mailman just for bringing the invitation. Nor do I know many fathers who would go out and burn down someone's house because they'd say they're not coming. Seems to be a little bit extreme, if you ask me. 
But then again, this is a story being told by Jesus. This is a parable. And the, and the Oxford Dictionary defines a parable as a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. Now this may be a little less simple of a story than what Jesus might normally tell. But as always, the characters within the story, they represent someone. And as usual, we can expect the king to be God. Even though it doesn't sound like the God we like to worship on a regular basis. This God sounds angry, sounds vengeful, violent. We don't like to hear about this kind of God. But what we need to do is we need to go back and look at the context again. Why is Jesus telling this story right now? Where does it fit in the grand story of what Jesus is trying to achieve? So if we turn back before this parable, back to Matthew chapter 21, Jesus tells a number of stories in Matthew 21, but he also one of the last one he tells is about a landowner who rents out his land to some people while he moves to another town. And when the harvest season comes, the landowner sends his servants to go collect the rent, basically, what belongs to him. And they refuse to give it. They beat his slaves. And then he sends his son. And his son is captured and killed by the, by, the, by, the rent, by the renters. And Jesus ends the parable by quoting from Psalm 118, the stone the builders rejected has become the chief's cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And when Jesus finishes telling the lesson, the parable, the Pharisees who were there watching Jesus realize he is accusing them of being those who are abusing and killing the, the servants and the son of the landowner. And this upsets them, and they want to decide that they, right then and there, they're going to arrest Jesus, but they can't. So the violence that we find in today's parable is nothing new. It's not any further shock to those who are with Jesus when he tells it. They just heard how people had poor, how poorly people have treated someone's servant and son. So this is a bit of a story of retribution, maybe. And it may not be unexpected completely. The Gospel of Matthew, through these chapters, seems to be highlighting this increasing tension between Jesus and the Pharisees, the religious leaders. He's already in Jerusalem for the final time. He is walking to his death. And so the, the tension is increasing as we go. This, this parable that we read today is a bit of a climax of that tension that's been building over these last number of stories that Jesus tells. So God the King, in this story today, God the King is preparing a wedding banquet for his son, who is Jesus. So in preparation for the event, God sends, sends servants out to tell of this wonderful party that's happening. And these invitations go out to could be these, I'm sorry, the servants who go out to deliver the invitations could be seen as prophets of the Old Testament. Maybe even John the Baptist. These are the prophets who called people to listen to God, to repent, to come back into relationship with Him. But the people they spoke to, they chose to ignore. And some, like John the Baptist, were thrown in jail and even killed. 
The prophets came for the people of Israel. That is who they primarily spoke to. Yet the people largely ignored them. Or if they did listen, it was only for a short period of time before they went back to the way they were living before. They turned away once again. They continued to live their lives as if nothing could or would change. Even when the prophets made promises about the coming Messiah, the Savior who would come and save them. When the people of God turned away from him, they fell on hard times. And the hard times are often of their own choosing because they chose to step out from underneath God's protective care, his protective umbrella. They walked out from that safety and into the storm of life. And when they did this, it often led to pain and suffering and destruction because they chose to walk away from God. God did not walk away from them. They chose to walk away from God. And because they left God behind, they were experiencing hardships of their own doing. Because like in our parable, God kept sending more prophets, more leaders, more voices, inviting people to come back to him, join the party. But again, they were ignored, they were mocked, some were even killed. Now hold on a second, you're thinking, today we read that the king sent an army out to destroy the people. And if the king represents God, then isn't Jesus saying God will get angry and send destruction? Yes, I guess you could say that, couldn't you? But again, in the Old Testament, we can read stories that appear to indicate God sent destruction. So Jesus is playing on these stories. He's reminding his listeners that there are times when you choose to reject God, God himself may send punishment. But when God does send punishment, it's very rare in the Old Testament. Most of the misery people find themselves in is of their own doing. They chose to walk away from God and are now suffering the consequences of those choices. So a lot of this parable that Jesus tells seems violent. It may even seem unrecognizable of the God we worship today. What we need to remember, though, through all of this, is that God keeps sending out invitations. Even after all those who are expected to come to the party, even after they reject the invitation, God keeps looking for more people. Keeps sending out more invitations. Keeps inviting people to come in. So we also need to consider who are the guests of this parable. Who are the guests? Now the first invitation is go out to people you would expect to be the ones to come to a party worthy of a king. So it goes out to the people of high society. Kings of other nations, leaders, politicians, religious leaders, prominent business people, and so on and so on. So when we look at the parable and the way Jesus is telling it, The invitation would be going out to the Pharisees, the rulers of the land, the people of prominent business of of that day. They are the ones that Jesus is telling us are rejecting the invitation that God sends out. So in the end, God just says to his servants, fine, go get everyone else. Anyone else. Which then means he's talking about the common folk. The people wandering the streets. The people who are the elite, 
would just simply ignore. Those are who, those are the ones who end up eventually attending the party, ultimately attending the party. And what a gift and an honor it would have been for these regular folks to be at the party that the king is hosting. Now just imagine for a second that you open your mailbox tomorrow and find an invitation to the coronation of the king. How would that feel? feel pretty special, right? So that's the kind of invitation these people have received to join the wedding banquet of an heir to the throne. What a, it's like a dream come true. Think of the food that's going to be offered, the drink, the music. It's going to be a party. But there's one more person we need to look at. What about that poor soul that the king saw as dressed inappropriately and threw him out of the party? What about him? Well, he's the one that came to the party for a good time, but didn't feel, really care enough to dress for it. We've all seen these people at weddings, right? They'll get to the reception and usually head straight to the bar. Everyone's all dressed up for the party, and there's this one person that just shows up, maybe off the golf course or whatever, doing whatever, and they stick out a bit like a sore thumb. Now the king addresses this person, demands to know why he is not respecting the tradition, and the guy can't answer. So the king throws him out. Once again, this seems like a little bit harsh, right? This is just a common folk, kind of a last-minute invitation. So why so cruel? I don't see anyone doing this at weddings today, even though plenty of people may talk about it. And besides, wasn't this king just so desperate to fill his party, to fill the hall? Wasn't the king grasping at straws, just trying to get people in the door so he doesn't look like a fool? Maybe, but this is still the king's party. One should at least try and look the part, try to fit in. So who is this guy? Who does he represent? He's the person who accepts the invitation of God to come to the party to be part of the family, but refuses to be part of it, to be fully part of it. Just wants the rewards. Doesn't want everything God has to offer. And God offers us a lot. God offers us love, life, joy, happiness, peace, forgiveness, mercy. But in order to receive these things, accepting the invitation requires something of us. In Mark 2.22, Jesus says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. New wine is for fresh wineskins. When we accept the invitation of God to come into his family, something changes within us. God pours his Holy Spirit into us, and we change. We cannot help but change. We become like new people as we follow God, as we allow God to transform us from the sinful creatures we are into his beautiful children. We are different. We carry ourselves differently. We look differently. We, recite, we are receiving, the whole, through the Holy Spirit, essentially new wine. And we are being transformed into new wineskins to carry what God has given us. Yet there are people who do not want to change. But they think 
that they can call themselves children of God. They think they can apply the name Christian to themselves, and if they do so, they will reap the same rewards. But they can't. Old wineskins cannot hold new wine because the seams start to fray and they'll break down and all is lost. In Matthew 7, 21 to 23, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Being part of God's family, being a Christian, is more than just saying the right words or doing the right things. It's ultimately about our heart. It's about how we live our life. We see people who abuse this all the time. We see it in scandals in the church of priests and pastors abusing people. We see people stealing from within the church. We see it in the news far too often. These are the kinds of people who know how to say the right words, they know the language, but deep in their hearts they have not accepted the love of God. And this is somewhat heartbreaking. Because at some point they must have thought, hmm, seems to be a good idea to be a Christian. But in the end, they're just kind of like actors in a play. They're just people who show up at the party and don't really know what it's all about. They want the good time, they want the feast, they want the drinks, they want the music, but in the end, they have no respect for the bride or the groom or the king. And ultimately, they are kicked out of the party. They are left out of the grand celebration. Weddings are beautiful. They are a beautiful celebration of love, they are a celebration of family, the celebration of coming together. They are worthy of a party. And God is preparing a grand banquet because Jesus has come for his bride. And his bride is the church. Together, Jesus and the church are a beautiful thing. They're a beautiful union. They're loving each other, they're serving each other, and they're loving and serving the community around them. And we are invited to be part of the celebration, to be part of the union of Christ and his church. If we who come and be part of his uh, it, we are the ones who come and be part of the wonderful ministry of love and respect for all. God doesn't need the elite. He doesn't need the leaders and politicians. He doesn't need the rich and the powerful. God only needs us. We are the ones that are invited to the party to become part of the celebration that God has in store for all of us, to be part of his story. This is the gift God has given us. As we learn about more, more about the wonders of his kingdom and the love that is offered within it and from it, as we continue to reflect on the stories of Jesus as we walk with him to the cross of our salvation on Good Friday. For many are invited, but few are chosen. It is up to us whether or not we are chosen. It's up to us whether or not we accept the invitation of God to come and join him, join him in the celebration of the gift that comes in Jesus Christ. Jesus, who is our Lord and our Savior, 
who gave his life for our own. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us join together in singing, There is a Wideness in God's Mercy. Let us join our hearts in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the invitation to come and be part of life. To be part of the celebration of the union of Christ and his church. Thank you for the invitation to come and be part of your ministry, but also to be part of your kingdom. Lord, we ask you to guide us, to watch over us, to protect us, to lead us as we seek to be fully part of all that you have to offer us through this union. Lord, be with us today and be with those we are about to pray about, to pray for as we seek your wisdom and your guidance in our lives and in the lives of those we pray for. 
Lord, we pray this day for many things. We pray for those who mourn the loss of Loretta, especially our church. We pray for her children, O oh God, that you may comfort us and them in this time of mourning. We pray for all others who mourn as well, O oh God. We pray for the Arsenal family, once again, who have suffered loss as they mourn the loss of Dorothy. Lord, we pray for all who mourn in these days. And we ask that you bring them comfort and peace at this time. Lord, we pray for those who are in hospital. We pray for those who are sick. We pray for those who are un un unable to get out. We pray for those who miss being with us here because of life circumstances, whatever it may be. Lord, we pray for places of war. We continue, again, still to pray for Ukraine, O oh God. May your peace come to that nation, O oh God. And may peace come to the hearts of, of Russians who are perpetuating such violence against a loving nation. Lord, we pray, we pray as well for many things. So, we, oh God, we just open our hearts to you now as we offer our prayers to you this day. Lord, we offer these prayers to you in the name of Jesus. That we ask for your healing comfort to be with all of us and with those we pray for. That we all may know your peace. Lord, we pray this in his name. As we pray what he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. As we respond to the call of God in our lives, we recognize that being part of God's kingdom is to support the work that he does. And so we offer our gifts, we offer our spirit, we offer our bodies, all that we have. Our offering will now be received.
love and peace. We commit ourselves to you with all our hearts and all we have. Take our offering this day and use it to fulfill your will. We pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Our closing hymn today is, I Heard the Voice of Jesus. My friends, the invitation is there for us all the time to come and know God and the love he has for us, to come and be united with Jesus and his church, the Holy Bride, to love and serve God and do all God's wonderful things as we inherit the kingdom of God through them. So let us go be God's vision, to be God's people in a world that is hungry for more. Let us go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God in each and every one of us, now and forever. Amen. Amen.